Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. The heart of our mission is a sermon series about what makes us Spring of Life. Our mission is embracing all to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. This is our core identity as a church, and it binds us together. Acts 9, 10-18 Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he's praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we continue to reflect on the heart of our mission. Uh, we've spent the month of October focusing our energy and attention on our updated mission. And so at the very beginning of this sermon, we haven't even talked about it yet, I want to ask you, do you remember our updated mission statement? Take a couple seconds to think about it, and then we'll practice saying it together once without it on the screen, and then a second time with it on the screen. I'm really testing you today. Our mission is embracing all to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. Now let's say it on the screen all together. Embracing all to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. This is our reason for existing as a church. And you might remember that this wasn't just something that leaders from this congregation made up. This is something directly derived from John chapter 7 from Jesus Christ, the spring of life, who calls out, anyone who's thirsty, come to me. And so our role as followers of Jesus is to be vessels of God's grace. You might remember last week we focused our energy and attention on the first part of this mission, embracing all. Sharing the gospel starts with embracing people. One of the things that Jesus famously did was he invited the people who previously hadn't been invited to the dinner party. 
and the church leaders of his day got very upset about this. But Jesus started with a posture of embracing people, and God used that to transform lives. And we, too, recognize that we need to start with a posture of embracing people and allow the Holy Spirit to use that to transform lives today. So with that context in mind, you can probably guess what we're spending our attention on today. The second half of that statement, becoming vessels of God's overflowing grace. This is where we'll spend our time and attention today. And I have a question for our our children here. Uh, Can you tell me what is a vessel? Do you all know what a vessel is? I know it's one of those words that has multiple meanings. Yes. A capsule? Okay. Okay. Any other? Yes. Something that holds water. That's good. Yes. A ship. Yes, that is also a vessel. Mm -hmm. Rain? Okay. Okay. Yep. A cup. That also is a good example. So the definition that we're going to use today to make sure we're all on the same page is a container that holds things. That's a vessel, something that, that can hold something. So I, I actually brought some vessels with me today, and we're going to do a fun, uh, a fun visual illustration about what this can look like. So while I'm pulling all this cool stuff out over here, uh, children, if you'd like, you can come sit right here in the center so you can have a really good view of the fun thing that we're about to do together as a church. So you, for those of you who have vision like mine, uh, we see on, on this one, this is the world and the brown water kind of signifies some of the pain and hurt and brokenness in the world, which I know we are all seeing uh, every time we open the news apps on our phone. This one is us, you and me, regular people. Uh, And then this one is representative of God's grace. And so I don't know about you all, but there are days when I think, oh man, the world, it it is a tough place and You know, I want to pour into the world and try to make it a little bit better. So I pour into the world, and what happens? Does it look any different? No? What do do you see? Just bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it did go up. Yeah, you're right. When I poured in, it did go up. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, But what we... What we see is that when we try it our own, we can keep pouring and pouring and pouring, and, and it really doesn't make that much of a difference. It just makes it go up a little bit, and then there's bubbles, and then, well, what happened to us? Yeah, it's empty. It's totally empty. And so part of becoming a vessel of God's grace is opening yourself up to receive God's grace, and God's grace pours into us, and we receive it, and we're not empty anymore. Turns out, we're actually full, and for that, we, we celebrate. And then if we allow God's grace to be poured into us, and then we, we pour it into, into the world, whoa, what's happening there? Whoa. 
It did. It changed the color amazingly well. And we see that God's grace, if we allow ourselves to become vessels of that grace, and we pour out that grace, what can we change? The world. Yes, you know. Excellent. Thank you for helping me in sharing this, that God's grace can change the world. I invite you to go back to your seats now. Thanks for coming up for that. That was fun. And if you want to learn more about that from a scientific perspective, you can talk to me after church. Or, or Mitchell. Mitchell helped. I have to give uh, him a shout out as well. And so how does this connect to our scripture? Let's give some context and take us back into why I believe that is such a powerful image of God's grace. So Saul, you might remember him as the, arguably the greatest persecutor of the early church. He was so sure that what, that Jesus being raised from the dead was a fake, that he spent a lot of time and energy trying to stamp out that emerging Christian movement. And he did this from a place of what he perceived as faithfulness. But it turns out that the the persecutor of God's enemies was actually persecuting the work of God. And Jesus encountering Saul on the road to Damascus was a moment where he could no longer deny that Jesus was Lord because Saul heard the voice of Jesus and it began to change his life. Saul's conversion is positioned in the book of Acts between the conversion story of the Ethiopian eunuch and the Roman centurion, which speaks to a larger movement of the gospel that that Jesus is bringing together people who would have never mixed before the resurrection. And so our story begins not not focusing our energy and attention on Saul becoming Paul, which is what we talk about most of the time when we reflect on this story, but I want to start with Ananias, a, a lesser known but vitally important character in this story. God gives Ananias a vision, and Ananias responds, yes, Lord, here I am, a faithful response, and then He is told by God to go visit Saul from Tarsus in the house of Judas, straight near Straight Street, and, and God let him know that Saul was praying for healing. And God gave Saul a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and healing him so he could see again. And you know how Ananias responded? But Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. I'm kind of with Ananias on this one. Uh, Here I am, Lord. Yes, Lord. But then when he gets his mission and assignment from God... His first response is, but Lord, uh, anything but that. I don't want to go to visit him. And you can understand why Ananias might be scared. Because Saul has developed quite the reputation as a great persecutor of Christians. 
And Ananias is really just saying, God, don't you know this is dangerous? Don't you know this is a little bit crazy? Don't you know, I'm not sure what will happen, oh God. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Chosen instrument. If I were looking for another word, one word to describe chosen instrument, I might use the word vessel. Saul is my chosen vessel to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And this is all about the mission of God. God is so focused on that mission of the spread of the gospel. Like it says at the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts 1.8, the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see this expansion of the good news of Jesus. And so we have to give Ananias credit. After protesting earlier, he does something very courageous. He goes. Ananias went and found Saul. And he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias does two things that are incredible that this verse tells us about. The first one is that he goes in to meet Saul and addresses him as brother. Whoa, remember, this is the greatest persecutor the early church has ever seen. And in his first interaction, he calls him brother. That is an incredible act of faith, an incredible act of grace that Ananias offers in that conversation. And then he does something just as brave. Remember earlier when Ananias was talking to God and he said, quote, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus has been arrested by Saul. So what does Ananias do to heal him? He calls on the name of the Lord Jesus and heals the guy who was arresting people who called on the name of the Lord Jesus. That is an act of incredible faith. And that is exactly what happened? You can imagine Ananias' heart pounding during this meeting, during this conversation, during this prayer. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Saul experienced this healing instantly. His sight was restored, and he then made a profession of faith by being a part of the Christian community. He was initiated into the family of faith through baptism. But what I want us to stop and reflect a little bit about is that this story of Saul becoming Paul, the greatest persecutor of the early church, becoming the apostle Paul, the author of many books in the New Testament, I don't think it ever would have happened without the faith and the action of Ananias. 
you know, a, a supporting actor in Acts 9. He's not the main character. He's just a guy, and he, and he really, he did a lot, but in the scheme of things, it wasn't that much. I mean, he, he listened to God. He opened himself up to listen to God. He received the vision from God, and then he went and did the crazy thing God asked him to do, and that's all we know. That's all we hear. But without Ananias' faith and his actions, this may have never happened. Ananias had every reason to say no. It was dangerous. He was scared. But he said yes to being a vessel of God's grace. And the amazing part of that is Ananias saying yes to becoming a vessel allowed Saul to say yes to becoming a vessel, and God continues to work out from there, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill each of them, creating the ministries of the early church. I want to come back to this again. This was a lot of fun today. Uh, you know, I, I think there are so many moments when we, we have the natural instinct to pour ourselves out but if we really look in the mirror honestly, we might feel like I don't have much to give. Or in this case, it's just, it's not making a difference. I'm pouring out, but, but what difference is it really making? And if we are feeling that way, we have to ask ourselves, are we allowing God's grace to pour into our lives? Because ultimately, it's not, it's not Ananias that changed the course of the early church. It's God's grace working through Ananias. And even today, when we look at the problems and the dysfunction and the chaos in our society and in our world, it's not us that are going to change and fix all of that by ourselves. It's God using us, it's us as vessels of God's grace that is going to transform the world. And sometimes I confess that I forget that. I'm ready to pour out as Mike rather than to pour out as a vessel of God's grace. Uh, and, and it's a good reminder for each of us to remember to stay open to receive God's grace in the many forms that we can. We even have a word for that in the Methodist church. It's called means of grace. These are the ways that God's grace flows to us. Often it's through things like traditional spiritual disciplines, prayer, journaling, scripture reading, you know, devotional reading, but also through things like holy friendships. You know, do we have friends that that we can tell about the things that are really bothering us or the silly things we get excited about. You know, God can work through that in amazing ways as well. But ultimately, the point is for us as people, that the point is not for us as people just to be really, really, really full. You know, we don't, we might not be, well, many of us have very, very full lives and schedules, and that's never the point. The point is not just to be busy and full. The point is for us to receive so that we too can be poured out and find 
the real fulfillment that we're seeking, not through being overflowing in our own lives, but by sharing that overflow with others. That's what it looks like to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. And I can think of so many different examples of pouring in and then others pouring out. I mean, we collectively participated in a wonderful outpouring of love and hospitality and compassion yesterday, and I'm still smiling because of it, to see the way we, we bless children and families. It was just wonderful. But we have to ask ourselves, am I allowing the Holy Spirit of God to pour into me? And am I allowing myself to pour out into others? You know, if we can say yes to both of those questions, then God is going to use you and me and our church to change the world. Let us pray. Lord, make us your vessels that we may pour out ourselves into the lives of others, bringing healing to a world that is in deep pain. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.